you don't know me, my name is Ben Rain. I am the youth and young adults pastor, and I'm so excited to be able to be with you guys tonight. I hope you had a fantastic morning. I got to go out with my family. We went to the parade. We participated in a barbecue. We went downtown. I even took in a nap this afternoon. That never happens on a Sunday. So that was like a blessing in itself. Before we dive in to today, uh, or to tonight, um, <clears throat> I want to say a special hello to a number of people in this room. So as you may or may not notice, there's a lot more small people with us today. As we shifted our morning services to the e evening, we also shifted uh, our kids' ministry. So kids, if you are a kid and you are with us, or if you feel like a kid at heart, can you just stand up for a second? Can you? You can do it. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so if you are a kid or you feel like a kid at heart, I want you to cheer as loud as you possibly can. Okay, on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Woo! Yes. You guys, I love our kids. I love working with the youth, but I've gotten to spend a number of days with the kids down in... Uh, in the kids' ministry zone on Sunday mornings, and they are a special crew, okay? They are a special crew. They are, they are so uniquely made, and God has such an incredible plan for them. I want you as the larger church to catch the excitement that these kids have. Over the course of the next 25 minutes or so, we're going to dive into the book of John, chapter 10, okay? So, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture over us. I'm going to pray, and then we will hop right into tonight's message. So John chapter 10, starting at verse 1, reading through verse 16. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. So it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is the thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in, and he will go out, and he will find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not a shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep. And he flees, and the wolf catches the sheep, and he scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling, and he does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. 
As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep which I have, which are not of this fold, them I must also bring. And they will hear my voice, and they will be of one flock with one shepherd. So tonight, Jesus, we just ask that you would come, that your spirit would fill this place. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, as I speak, be my words. Oh, be my words. We ask, God, that wherever this day has taken us, wherever we've come from in this week, we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And so, Jesus, speak. We ask, God, that your presence would fill this room, that you would empower us, that you would equip us, and that we would go out and be world changers, not for ourselves, but for you. So, Jesus, we love you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. So I want to ask you a question, okay? And it's going to sound like a really weird question, but please bear with me, okay? Have you ever thought about doors? I'm, I'm not talking about the 1965 musical sensation led by the front man, Jim Morrison, not that kind of doors. I'm, I'm talking about rectangular forms of wood or metal that are often hung from our homes, our offices, or our fences. Right? It's a really strange question, but have you ever sat back and thought about these? Over the course of the past year, I have, um, believe it or not. And I've come to the place of believing that doors often hold a place of significance in our lives. They hold memories, sometimes they hold regrets, and sometimes there's an image of possibilities that come through the form of doors. Think about it with me for a minute. As a kid, I moved around a ton. Okay? So this happened once or twice in my home, but it's a memory that I really live through um, some of my friends and or my cousins, or um, you see it happen all throughout movies as well, where the mom and dad, they get the child to stand next to the door, and what do they do? They mark where their child is. At a certain age, at a certain time, right? Well, Johnny, at the age of three, Johnny was two foot whatever, right? And then over the course of time, he's growing and growing and growing, and little Johnny is not little anymore. Holy cow. Little Johnny is giant Johnny, and he's grown up, and he's ready to go. Doors can often hold memories for us, but they can also hold the idea of a regret. Maybe you've had an argument with a loved one. You're yelling and you're screaming and it, they're just not getting it through their head. So what happens? You leave the room and you walk down those stairs and you slam that door. And now what is between you and that person? A door. A door that is keeping you from repentance. A door that is keeping you from a, a, a redeemed relationship. And sometimes, some of us, we, we live in that regret or we, we live in that guilt that is not of God. And yet sometimes we allow doors to hold a place of regret. And yet there's other times where doors become this image 
of a possibility. In many ways, it's untouchable. It's a prospect or a hope. It's not physical in any sense or shape, but it does shape our future nonetheless. Many of you have likely seen the Julie Andrews movie. Again, 1965, I'm telling you, there's something about that year, The Sound of Music, okay? In this movie, the orphan, turned nun, turned singing and dancing nanny, enters into this town square right before she goes to the house. And she says, when God closes a door, he opens a window. And we've, we've taken this idea that doors are opportunities, they're possibilities. And while there's truth in that, so often we, we live with the idea that God is just going to open another door and another door and another door and another door. And there's a beauty to that. I want to share with you one of my most favorite, or favorite and dreaded memories about doors. I was 11 or 12 years old. I was living in the town of Carrobert, Saskatchewan. Uh, my grandma and grandpa Rain, they had come and they were watching, they were looking after myself, my brother, and my sister. My parents were away on business. I was innocently sitting downstairs watching TV when my older brother comes downstairs, snags that remote control away from me, and hunkers down on the couch, changing the channel, watching something that he wants to watch rather than what I wanted to watch. So this relatively passive kid, I stand up, and I, it's, I can only describe it by being filled with like a, goldly, or a godly boldness. I punched my brother, <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I realized what I had done, and I had ran upstairs. Like any brave kid in that situation, I locked myself in the bathroom. <laughs> and for the next five minutes, I stayed in that bathroom. My brother, sure enough, had followed me, and he was banging on that door as loud as he possibly could. At first, he started with sayings like, I'm going to kill you. And then it turned into, I have to pee. And I said, well, go downstairs. There's a bathroom there. I'm not opening this door. And then there was a moment of silence. And I thought that I was finally free. And then I heard a little... Ben, it's okay. Come out. Consistently, I said, no, I'm not coming out. And just as I had been equipped with this bold, uh, godly boldness, my brother took on a new persona, and that was of the karate kid. And he did a flying ninja kick through our bathroom door. The best part of the story is that this all took place while my grandma and grandpa stayed asleep. You should have seen their faces in the morning. As I was thinking and reflecting on this message, these were some of the images that came to mind of doors. We place significance on doors. But, but Jesus doesn't just say, I am the door. He actually talks about sheep and shepherds as well. And so over the course of the next few minutes, we're going to break this down. We're going to look at the illustration that Jesus was, was sharing with us. But in order to do that correctly, I think we need to be able to 
Look at John chapter 9 very quickly. So in John chapter 9, Jesus comes across this man who is born blind. I'm going to paraphrase the story really quick. Go back and read it later. Jesus comes across this man who is born blind in the synagogue, and, and Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And he says, yes. And so Jesus spits in some clay, rubs it together, puts it over his eyes, and he says, now go and bathe in the pool of Siloam. This man, sure enough, goes and does what Jesus says, comes back, and he's been healed. He was obedient in what Jesus said. He heard Jesus' voice, and he followed. He comes back to the synagogue, and the Pharisees say, are you the man who was born blind? And he says, yes. Jesus has healed me. Pharisees don't believe him, so they go to the parent, his parents. The parents are absolutely terrified. And scripture says the parents were feared because they did not want to be thrown out of the synagogue. So the Pharisees leave the parents after they didn't get any information. They go back to the man and they say, tell us, how were you healed? And this is what's really interesting. This man says, you've already come and asked me, and I have told you what Jesus has done. Do you want to become disciples of him too? And they say, no, we are disciples of Moses. And at that point, he's thrown out of the synagogue. In modern language, he was excommunicated. He no longer had a place in the context of the synagogue. And this is where we open up into John chapter 10, when Jesus says, they are my sheep and I am their shepherd. I am the door and they will hear my voice and they will know me. It's this beautiful illustration that Jesus is, is playing with. He's saying the shepherd knows, the shepherd knowing the voice of the sheep and the sheep knowing the voice of the shepherd, they're calling them and leading them out of places of danger, protecting and providing for them as they are led into a place of rest, into a place of pasture. So the three images that we see, we see this image of sheep, we often think of sheep as, as being cute and cuddly, right? But sheep are incredibly intuitive, but they're limited in their self-protection. Though the sheep are often deemed helpless, they're not dim-witted. Sheep are mentioned in the Bible more than 500 times other than any other animal, and more than any other animal. Sheep were important to the nomads and the agricultural life of the Hebrews and to similar people. And sheep are symbolically used throughout the Bible to refer to God's people. So when Jesus enters into the story and he says, I am the shepherd, he's saying, I am God and, and these are my sheep. These are my sheep. In, their, in our passage, there is a new kind of beauty that we cannot miss. It appears when Jesus says, they know my name, or uh, I call them by name. Not only does the shepherd call his sheep, but he calls them by name. This is an actual thing, okay? 
I wasn't sure whether or not this took place, but I went on to the place that everyone should look, and that's YouTube, and I, I typed in shepherd tests, and sure enough, there's tests out there, okay? There's three people, three university students, they go to the edge of a pasture, and the, and the shepherd has given them a, a name to call, and, they, and the shepherd says, you go and you call and see if my sheep come. Okay. So the first one goes up, calls the name, and nothing happens. The second one goes up, calls the name, and nothing happens. The third one goes up and calls the name, and nothing happens. The shepherd, the fourth and final voice, steps up to the the gate, and in a timid voice, makes the exact same call. And what happens? That sheep's head turns. One sheep, one sheep's name, turns, and that sheep books it for the shepherd books it. And not only that, not only does the one sheep run towards the shepherd, but it creates a cyclical motion. That sheep is running for the shepherd, so what do the next sheep do? All of a sudden, there is a mob that is racing towards the shepherd. This is the image, people. This is the image of how we are supposed to live before Jesus. We are supposed to live so intimately so intimately and passionately that we are listening to our Father all the time. There's a reason why Jesus said, I am sending someone. I am sending someone greater, and that is the Holy Spirit. So we can listen, so we can hear, so we can learn, so we can be in the Word of God and understand who our Father is, and that when our Father is speaking, when the Spirit is speaking, we can listen. Not only listen, but we can act. Throughout the Bible, there are numerous images of the Israelites being God's flock, and thus God is their shepherd. Psalm 95, verse 7, he says, The psalmist says, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today we hear his voice. Or passages like Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 11 to 16. It says, for thus says the Lord my God, I indeed myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on that day, he is among, or, as a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day, he is among his scattered sheep. So I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all places where they've been scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and I will gather them from the countries and I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture, and in their fold there shall be, they shall be on high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what has been lost and bring back what has been driven away, bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. I will destroy the fat and the strong, and I will feed them in judgment. So often, 
we are faced with this image of a shepherd that I don't know if it's really that healthy for us. We, we have this image of Jesus in our minds with his shepherd staff sitting under a tree, glistening perfectly, holding a cute and cuddly lamb. This is the image of shepherd that we are often given. Well, there's elements of that that are absolutely true. In many ways, it actually distorts our image of a shepherd. You see, the shepherd's job was severe. It was hazardous. Think about the shepherd boy, David. David, who went out and fought off lions for the protection of his flock, killing them with his bare hands. When danger comes, unlike the hired hand who runs away from danger, the shepherd runs directly into it. The hired hand is thinking about self-preservation and runs away, but the shepherd, the shepherd has a high degree of self-interest. His self-interest is not found in his own well-being, but, his self, but in the well-being of his possessions, in his sheep. He has a self-interest, but it is in the well-being of his sheep. You are his sheep. Our God cares about how well you're doing. Our God cares about your spiritual life. Our God cares about the influence that you are having in this world. Verse 12, he owns the sheep. This speaks to his unique and passionate commitment to them. As Jesus is using this illustration of sheep and shepherds, he does something amazing. He shares with his audience, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is setting his audience up for the big bang. He's going straight for the jugular. When he says, I am the door, and he says, I am the good shepherd, when he's speaking this to his audience, again, remember, the Pharisees just cast this man out of the synagogue and said, you don't have a place here. How dare you follow someone who has healed you on the Sabbath? Come on. But Jesus saying, you don't want him, but he's exactly who I came for. He's exactly who I came for. Jesus has this trust and intimacy and familiarity with the Father. And this is depicted in the way the shepherd loves and cares for his sheep. This is the exact same intimacy, love, trust, and familiarity that we can, could, and should have with the Father. We can, could, and should have with the Father. And dare I say, our lives and the lives of others depend on it. You see, when Jesus says, I am the door for the sheep, when he says, I am the door, we, we often look at this as being a, an image or a portrayal of Jesus being the only way to the Father. That is true. But I think what's happening in this passage is even more beautiful. Okay. 
He says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, in the NIV it says, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and he will go in and he will go out into the pasture. You see, our salvation, it is not just when we die. Our salvation is now and in the future. It is present and future tense. So we are to live in our salvation. We are to live in the boldness of knowing our shepherd's voice. And that door, when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus took that final nail, breathed that final breath, gave up his life on the cross, that door stayed open. That door stayed open. And we see this in Revelation chapter 3. In verse 7, it says, and to, the, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, he writes, these things says that he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens, I know your works. I see. I have set before you an open door and no one, no one can shut it. The door is open because of what Christ has done. The door is open because of what Christ has done. Now, if we take that, that's a nice, pretty little message. And, and good on you, Pastor Ben. Good first try, right? It goes beyond this, right? There, there, is, there is a beauty to this that we do not want to miss. There is a beauty that we do not want to miss. Those who enter through Jesus find life. Which means that at one point or another, we were all on the outside of that pen. We were all on the outside of that door. But we need to enter through him. The door is open, and it will not be shut. This is the place in our midst, here at Airdrie Alliance Church, Kingdom City, in Airdrie, Alberta, in Alberta, Canada, Canada, the world, the door is open. And it will not be shut. This needs to impact us, people. And it needs to impact us today. We are living in a time and a place where we celebrate our freedom in Canada. And that is fantastic. I am glad that I am Canadian. I, ha I am glad that I have freedom to live in this country. But you will not experience freedom like you will in the person of Jesus. You will not experience freedom like you will in the person that God has formed and created you to live in, that intimacy, that trust, that familiarity, to hear your Father's voice and to act. As a church, we say that our vision statement is releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth. Well, people, if you haven't caught it yet, the heavens are open and the door is open and people need to hear. 
People need to hear. People need to experience. They need to be entered into a God encounter because of you, because of what God has done in your life and what God is doing in your life and what God wants to do in your life. I think we can sometimes get stuck thinking that we're just sheep following the shepherd's voice. Now that is true. We are sheep following the shepherd's voice, but he actually, he calls us to higher places. First Peter chapter five, verses one through four. It says, the elders who are among you, I exhort you. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And as a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but by willingness, not for dishonest gain, but because you are eager, not for being lords over those who entrust to you, but for being examples to the flock. When Jesus, the chief shepherd, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. What does that say? We ourselves, the sheep of the chief shepherd, are to become shepherds. The more that I learn to be a sheep, the more he equips me to be a shepherd. The more that I learn to hear the voice of the shepherd, the more that he equips me, the more opportunities he gives to me. As I look back at my last year, my wife Larissa and I, we were on a journey. We were on a journey. We put offers in on seven different homes in three different cities, in two different provinces, in the matter of three months. We sensed that God was leading us back to ministry out of a period of working almost half a decade in the disability sector. And, and here in the city of Saskatoon, a door opened, or what we thought was a door. But what, was, what Jesus was saying was, that's not the door. I am the door, Ben. I am the door. Stop looking at yourself. And look at what I want to do in and through you. I am the door, Jesus says. Those who enter through me will go in and they will go out. They will go in and they will go out into the place of shelter and protection by the Father and into the pasture where we are fed, where we are given new life, where we are able to learn and practice and live out what our shepherd is teaching us. So listen, God is not asking you to be perfect in this. He's asking you to sit quiet, to dive into the word of God, to spend time with other sheep, to pick up that stick that you don't think you can or should be picking up, and to take those steps because God has a plan for each and every one of you. Some of you have already entered through that door. Some of you have said yes to Jesus. And if that is the case, 
then you need to continue to grow. As believers, we are called to synchronize our lives as, as sheep and as shepherds, leading others while being led by His voice. Let me say that again. As believers, we are called to synchronize our lives as sheep and shepherds, leading others while being led by His voice. Learn to love your shepherd like he loves you with that deep trust and that deep intimacy. Sit quietly, speak, but also learn to listen. Ask Jesus what he wants to say, with, say to you. Pull out a journal and say, Jesus, what do you have to say to me today? And start writing. Whatever comes to mind, start practicing. This is the word of God, but God can still speak. God wants to speak because he wants you to know his voice. So I declare over us today that we become a people who are bold, that we become a people who live in pursuit of the Father, that we embody justice and mercy and love for the pursuit of becoming more like our chief shepherd. And so Jesus, we ask that you would come, that your spirit would fill us, equip us, teach us, lead us, show us, God, what it means to be a shepherd, to pick up that staff, to enter into those dangerous places, to choose that your freedom is greater than our perceived freedom, that freedom in Christ brings new life, brings new growth, bring new, brings new eyes, brings new sheep into the fold. And so, God, wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, use us. We ask all of these things in the only name that matters, in the only door that I care to go through, in the name of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.